welcome to Eat This Scroll, a university fellowship podcast. We get together and uh, talk about what we are chewing on in God's word. Today we've got Jarrell Carper. Jarrell Carper, what is your real life on your paycheck title here? Uh, it is actually pastor of community and formation. Excellent. We also call you the discipleship pastor, pastor of cool beard, pastor of... Pastor of... We don't have anyone to do that, so can you do it? <laughs> You're the ringer they call in. <laughs> yeah, the uh, a truck hit our fence, and I fixed... I was trying to fix the fence, and... You are the one they called. And then I... Yeah, then I'll preach a sermon, and then I'll help you unwind cables. What can't you do? So many things. Yeah. We don't have time. Jack of all trades. Also (laughs) jack of none. (laughs) So what have you been chewing on in God's word? What'd you come with? Many of you guys might know that we, my wife and I, just had our second kid. Her name is Dylan. And so bedtime duty with my son, Logan, um, has mostly entirely fallen on my plate, which is fine. Um, Our bedtime routine consists of me rubbing him down with large amounts of lotion for his eczema and uh, putting a little onesie on him. We brush his teeth uh, that we sit down and we read some books before bed. Um, And we have this green children's Bible. I don't think it's the Jesus storybook Bible, but it's called something else. And basically I started from the beginning in Genesis and I've been reading Logan uh, little short Bible stories. Um, And I've, I've been reflecting on, you know, what these children's Bible authors decide to leave and leave out of our biblical narrative. And I mean, obviously, if you've been reading the Bible, you know that it's can be not rated PG. And so you have to decide what should a five-year-old or a two-year-old. I want, <laughs> I want judges for children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four years old. Lots of, uh, I mean, the Bible is descriptive of reality, so it's not always censored. Um, anyways. But even theologically, you know, how, how do you explain some of these more robust theological concepts to kids? So um, I have found that whenever I come across the book of Jonah, the one piece of that story that every children's book leaves out is uh, the fourth and final chapter, which is Jonah just being a miserable grump and a wreck and wanting to die multiple times. I mean, he he just really has like a miserable end to his uh, prophetic endeavor in our Bible. And so I thought I'd just share a little bit of reflections on the book of Jonah, um, because I think sometimes um, our Bible knowledge can remain at, you know, the level that we last heard a story. And that may have been the kid's story. Great. I love it. Let's hear it. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, the first is that I, I, I believe that Jonah is a literary masterpiece. I think there are themes and motifs that are traced throughout the book that are just fascinating. And a lot of times we just kind of read it as a story, which is great, but there's a whole lot more going on there. Um, so I wanted to draw our attention to just a few of those. Um, the first is the way that um, the author of Jonah plays the characters in against one another. And that even down to the boat, to the sailors, to the winds and the waves, to the fish, to the Ninevites, to a worm, to a tree, every character in the story of Jonah, other than Jonah, is obedient to to God. And the one person, I mean, everyone else is either like an inanimate object or an inanimate object, like a worm, or like ruthless um, empire that kills people in very bad ways or like pagan drunken sailors and 
everyone obeys God except Jonah. And so there's this juxtaposition between the prophet of God who ought to obey and the people who shouldn't obey but end up obeying. And it's kind of funny when you get into it. Um, the second uh, cool observation, well, actually, it's not that cool, cool, but it's just Jonah's like absolute hard heart. And I think we kind of usually end the story after he gets spit up by the whale and he goes to Nineveh and he's like, oh, okay, Jonah repented. He finally like, you know, figured his stuff out and the Ninevites repent. And it's just kind of like this cute little happy ending. And we don't want to talk about, talk about chapter four. <laughs> How Jonah responds to the repentance. Yeah. And, and you can kind of see even Jonah's like own internal battle. Like he does actually end up doing it. And um, there's actually a lot of cool imagery of being swallowed up by the sea and swallowed by a whale that um, swall- being swallowed up is one of the Old Testament metaphors and motifs of God showing judgment on his people. And um, I don't know, I kind of re- can relate to Jonah a lot of times of just being down in the dumps. And as someone who is in ministry and, um, you know, maybe people expect to always have my stuff together sometimes you can feel like you're getting swallowed by the sea a little bit so it's also a cold play song <laughs> we did have a rule uh we are limiting him at one cold play reference per podcast so i don't think that's going to work out anymore chris um and so those are kind of just fun precursors but here's the the kicker that i kind of wanted to dwell on um for the most of the podcast uh it's in chapter four Four, and I'll just read it, but yeah. it's the reason that Jonah gives God as to why he doesn't want to preach to the Ninevites. And um, so it displeased Jonah uh, exceedingly that, that the Ninevites repented. Um, and he was angry, which he's just kind of angry a lot. He's just a, he's an angry guy, you know? I can, I feel yeah. that sometimes. The, the angry bachelor prophet, you know? Um <laughs> And he prayed to the Lord. He said, oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? He didn't actually say this, but he must have been, you know, thinking this. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Okay, here's his reason for not preaching to the Ninevites. And this is chapter four. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Um. And so this is this statement he quotes, I mean, this uh, character description of God that God um, gives himself um, in Exodus is is one of the most repeated descriptions of God's character throughout the Old Testament. It's like, um, I mean, I guess the national anthem isn't really like the best <laughs> kind of <laughs> picture, but it's something that, you know, if you're an Israelite, if you're any familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, like this is just like, oh, of course, you know, it's like something that something that we would all know or a melody or a song that we would all recognize. It's just so obvious. And so um, Jonah is saying that like, Hey God, I knew that you would actually forgive these people. And that's why I didn't want to preach to them. And he kind of sabotages his message. I mean, he, he gives the literal worst like sermon of repentance you ever could. He's just like, goes to a few people's like, Hey, you guys should repent. And then like, Word spreads and the king, like every, and like, oh, he's like, this should, <laughs> this wasn't supposed to happen. Like, every evangelist I, is like, can I do that? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I did my best to sabotage this message and God's graciousness was still present. And so, I mean, the, the issue here is that Jonah does not think that God should be as compassionate and slow to anger as he is. And ironically, that makes Jonah 
not compassionate and angry. Interesting. So we're seeing some parallels between Jonah's projection on God of the characteristics he wants to have, and thus the reflection on Jonah, the characteristics he's living out. Yeah. Yeah. It's Jonah telling God that God should be less compassionate Mm -hmm. that someone in Jonah's life stands outside his sphere of compassion. Um, Someone that has gone too far has done too much. And honestly, I mean, the Ninevites were nasty people like, you know, there's some justice that probably should have been had there. And what that posture does is um, one, it just puts him at odds with, with God. And we don't know the ending of the story, but the abrupt ending of Jonah is something that invites us to self-reflect. And it is the question of, are there people in our life that stand outside of our circle of compassion, um, a certain type of people, something that someone's done that have gone too far? And there may be people that we believe God should not have any more compassion on. And it might be uh, someone that you might not think or a type of person that, you know, if you really dig in your heart, um, there's probably some people in there that you think ought to be outside of God's sphere of compassion. And and the the kicker, well, I keep saying the kicker, there's like so many, but Jonah Jonah ends the story as the one person who is outside of God's circle of compassion, not because God put him there, but because he put himself there. It's mm-hmm. like he, his resistance to the generous and gracious character of God by default separates him. And he ends up in a place that, you know, maybe we can relate to, but we're, but we don't want to be. Yeah. I mean, I can think of plenty of times Jesus talks about the essential quality of forgiveness in the believer. And that, um, you know, what I always consider is if we're putting ourselves in a position where we look at someone else and we're not willing to offer forgiveness or compassion or these things, then we're in, in a sense elevating ourselves above God because he offers that. So what we see Jonah's response to God's compassionate giving of himself. Um, what, what should our response be? Cause obviously that's not an archetype of Christian values. Mm. What should our response be to God's compassion? Um, I mean, I, I think the starting point is to identify as a recipient of it. Um, one of the things that Jonah doesn't recognize is that, you know, the way he's proven himself to be in his character and his actions in the book, like he hasn't gone and like slaughtered a bunch of people like the Ninevites did, but he's put himself in the same, you know, guilty and unworthy position you know, as an Ninevites. And so um, if we have not, I mean, and I really, really mean this, like if we have not ourselves paused and encountered God's compassion for us, it is going to be difficult then to extend that, you know, to other people. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I guess I can say another thing too of, you know, we do wrestle with that tension of, you know, part of, part of the good news of Jesus is that, um, God does deal with evil and with the people that um, have disrupted um, and who have wounded his image bearers. And so um, there is a tension there of, all right, you know, we have compassion and yet God is also a God of, of justice as well. And so 
Um, and you know, a lot of times showing justice to one person is showing compassion to the other person. Um, think like uh, the woman caught in adultery, you know, Jesus didn't just talk to her. He talked to the people that were going to throw rocks at her. And so, you know, um, there's, there is that tension to navigate of like, all right, we're showing compassion to people, but you know, there are some evil people out there who do very evil things. And, um, you know, in this situation, God chose to forgive the Ninevites. And so obviously if we feel like that's something God's doing, let's follow suit. Um, but that doesn't mean we, you know, we just allow evil to go unchecked in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's often presented as kind of a, a this or that instead of a spectrum of, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're not, you want to be a doormat. You know, if someone's hurting my kid, I'm going to stop them. <laughs> I, I might do it in a compassionate way, long term. This just in. But it's just like, don't worry, guys. Drill knows what he's, do- what he's doing. <laughs> he's not don't a, let drill he is not a bad dad. Yeah, he won't stop. Um, oh. But yeah, so I think the, the, the way that the book of Jonah is laid out and um, the juxtapositions, it invites us to self-reflect of like, you know, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us and what can we learn from this prophet so that we don't end up, you know, sitting out in the sun scorched wanting to die when we have a compassionate God extending, you know, uh, even to us. So yeah, I mean, Hey, I say, take a look at the book of Jonah and you know, it's only four chapters. You could read it, you know, during a commercial break of whatever Netflix TV show you're watching right now. Yeah, They pulled the office. I don't even know what to watch on Netflix. Well, I did get this, this thing called flex with my xfinity account mm-hmm. and it's like a it's like another version of an apple tv and you can get free peacock on it which has the office the future is now everyone yeah so go home read jonah watch the office these are the big <clears throat> takeaways but to summarize yeah i mean i think it's incredibly insightful and a fun perspective on that to go we have we have a likeness similar to jonah in that we oftentimes don't want to consider ourselves guilty we want to look to other people on the outside and, and, you know, in theory, point a finger at God and saying, why would you, these people are, are way worse than I am or they don't deserve this. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to sound like the young millennial that I am, I guess, but I, you know, there is a sense that sometimes we, we insist on ourselves remaining outside of God's circle of compassion. And I think that's why the first thing I said was, man, if, if like, if you haven't tasted God's compassion for yourself, it can be difficult to share that with others. And, um, it can be easy actually to include others, but not yourself. Mm-hmm. And so there is like, man, that's the beauty of the gospel that, um, God has forgiven you. Like God's God is slow to anger with you. Like, unlike Jonah, who was very quick to anger, you know, yeah. he like stubbed his toe and he was just like, that's it. I want to die. <laughs> You're like, wow, you went from zero to a hundred there, Jonah. <laughs> I feel that some days I step on a Lego and I'm ready to go. Take me now, Lord. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I was telling, <laughs> this is bonus. <laughs> I was talking to Lauren last night. I was like, we get through the day and we only have two kids. Right. And our house is just looks like a tornado came through it. And I was like, there's gotta be a way to parent where our house doesn't end up like a tornado every single evening. And we spend an hour cleaning. Um, but if you figure it out, let me know. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, I appreciate you, Jarrell. Thank you so yep. much for sharing that. That was great um, from the Old Testament. We will see you on next time. Sounds good. Maybe Thanks we'll look at other Bible stories. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.